0: Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss.
1: You know, one of the things I like about Kickstarter is the opportunity to talk to people who find ways to use crowdfunding to do the most unusual, different or interesting things, and I have believed, one of the things that makes Kickstarter so passionate for me is that I believe it just transforms so many of the things that it touches, that you can literally, if you can dream it, I think we can crowdfund it. So my guests today are an example of that passion of thinking outside the box and the passion of using crowdfunding and Kickstarter to pursue their own passion. So I want to welcome Zach and Katie to the show. Guys, thanks for joining me.
0: Oh, Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you.
1: So, you guys did a Kickstarter project in early 2014, I guess early uh, May timeframe. Tell me a little bit about that project.
0: Um, Well, it's called Traveling at the Speed of Light, and the gist of it is that we will be uh, traveling around the country and setting up temporary light installations. Basically, we're very interested in getting involved in the community, bringing art outside of the gallery space to people who might not typically feel comfortable going into a gallery space.
1: And so this is, so here you are, your artists saying, you know what, we're going to go create some art. One of the things I think that Kickstarter originally was founded for was to allow this type of creative endeavor when maybe funds, you know, it's not, it would be really hard to traditionally get somebody to like pay to come to your, see your art if it wasn't able to be easily seen. Right.
0: Uh, Yeah, and it's hard to get people to come into the gallery. I I feel there are, we have certain friends who are really comfortable with that gallery space. They know how to behave, you know, they want to be in that space. But then we have friends who... You know, they just don't – they don't feel like they fit into that situation. And so they typically won't come out because maybe they don't think they fit into that circle of people that will be in the gallery. This gives us the opportunity to engage with all kinds of walks of life. Uh, and, I th- and I'm very –
1: this is why I reached out to you guys because I was very intrigued. I followed this project you guys reached out to me, Katie. I think that you did reach out and had some questions about this project. One of the things that's interesting about this is that it's fairly intangible because you guys have said, "Okay, you're gonna. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna create this artwork out of light." But is it? It's not permanent artwork, right? And I think there's two of you there. So Zach, you're, you're still yes. there, aren't? Okay, it's not. Yes. Per, it's not I, permanent ultimately- art.
2: The project culminates and uh, we're going to create a art book and actually we're going to create a series of small art books and also posters and, and postcards to distribute to our backers.
1: And so, the, so what this project is is the creation of the art and then because the art will be temporary, the creation of the book to keep it permanent. Is that the idea yes.
2: here? You think of the book as an artifact of what has happened in this journey.
1: So tell me how you got here because this idea that – you guys are originally based in Cincinnati. this project I think we'll end up you were saying in Denver, right?
0: Right. Yes.
1: And so as you go about this process, how did you decide that hey, this is a crazy idea? Let's go get some strangers to give us some money and make it happen. I mean, how did <laughs> how did you get, right? How did you get to that point?
0: Um, well, we are both from an art background, and we were working in largely in installation prior to this, and we were doing installations in gallery spaces, still very intangible, not something that we could sell as a product. And it just naturally progressed uh, because of our we, we own a, an event company. Uh, where we do lighting and music. And so we naturally, I think progressed by having our light kind of transform into more of the art realm. And we initially had started just using light at very basically for events. And, We combined our artist training with the lighting, and we realized that, hey, you know, it fits perfectly into that kind of temporary realm where it's not something that's tangible. You can't take it home with you, but you can take the experience home with you. So we just started using light in our art, too, and then that's how we decided we were going to do this big project.
1: Well, somebody's a pretty – between the two of you, one of you is a pretty good writer as well. I have been out to your blog. You can find the blog at – Nomad Colab, and that's spelled K-N-O-M-A-D, Nomad with a K, and then C-O-L-A-B, Colab, like collaboration just with one L. So nomadcolab.com, right?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: So I've been out and read your blog, and it's very entertaining. I know it's uh, it's just starting up, and some of the stuff, particularly the one about the farmer and the cornfield, was just priceless. It was... I think that kind of intimacy of understanding the experience that you're trying to light a cornfield and somebody gave you permission and then somebody else was like, no, you don't have permission. And that was a great read.
0: Oh, thank you. Glad you enjoyed that.
1: I did. I enjoyed that because I realized that this Kickstarter thing is allowing you to go through a series of experiences that you probably would not have been able to do otherwise. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. Well, we've gotten very used to talking to the police. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. What uh, that, No, no, it's no big deal. So with these guerrilla lighting uh, installations, we know that that's going to happen. And so many times we preempt it, and if we see a police officer anywhere in the area, we just tell them, hey, you know, we're going to be lighting this area up and taking some photos. What do you think about that? Well, every time that this has occurred, the police have been extremely receptive. That's why it was very surprising that this farmer was so – irritated by our presence
1: yeah headlights veiled threats Accuse you of lie, right? It was just, it was like, wow, um, that's just awesome. In the middle of the night in a cornfield, I just, that's just awesome, right? That's just like children of the corn all over again. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely so, not something we were expecting to have happen. But part of this is being able to combat that with just doing something else and moving on to the next thing. So. Which,
1: which in the blog, people, I encourage people to go read the encounter because it turned out to be quite good. As you've done this, You've had to tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it. And the word Kickstarter or crowdfunding comes up. What's the reaction? Oh, this must be the reaction. All right. That's a good demonstration. Not,
2: not, not everyone knows what Kickstarter is. At least uh, at least the audience that we're worried about shutting down
1: our events. How about the police? Do you tell them that you're doing a crowdfunding or Kickstarter project?
0: Um, usually, yeah, we always kind of start out with, you know, this is a project that we'll be doing, you know, over the next course of the next six months to a year. I mean, we don't have a definitive timeline if it, if it gets expanded, it it will. But we do always mention that it's Kickstarter and some people immediately know that and they say, oh, great. You know, that sounds fun. Like, tell me a little bit more.
2: uh, We always give them a business card to give us some Validity to our...
0: Yeah, and then we show them images of what we've already done, and by the time we've kind of given that whole package, you know, like Zachary said, usually we don't run into any problems. I mean, this is kind of done not with permission necessarily all the time, so you are going to run into issues like that, but like Zachary said, we've had pretty good
1: not with permission, but not necessarily breaking any laws, right? And it's just like, okay, we're not sure where we stand. And so you ask the police, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, okay, fine.
2: Not- yeah, so in a public space, we try to talk to the police ahead of time. In this case, we had actually previously spoken to a farmer who was farming on this land, but then the actual owner of the land had never been notified by the person who told us that it was fine to go out there.
1: Right, oh, nice. right. It, great, it was a great read. I really enjoyed it, and it made it very personal, which is, I think, the part of this whole project that really intrigues me, and that is the personal nature of what you're doing here, because this is a very personal work of art, passionate project that you guys are working on. Of your backers, how many of your backers, total strangers, that just, when you put your project up, they just came out of nowhere and suddenly backed your project?
2: Uh, at least
1: 40%. 40% of the people who reached out found you. Any idea how they might have found you? Did you you do anything, kind of outreach or anything like that?
0: Well, Kickstarter did feature our project one day, so I think that could have been helpful. We also had, you know, we were doing a lot of social media throughout the entire campaign, and I think that friends just might have told friends. We did see a lot of shares, of our campaign. When we would post a link, we would see shares. So I think between that and Kickstarter featuring our project, we ended up getting a lot of people that we didn't necessarily know.
1: So this was your second project, your first one you had done the previous year. What did you do different this time to help you find success? And success was, I mean, it was kind of nip and tuck here. You were able to fund, I think, what is it? 108%. So it was close. Was there something different that you felt really contributed to the success of the second one?
2: Uh, for this, we did a pre-launch, a soft pre-launch amongst our friends to get critiques. Also, we this time we had a video, which I think contributes to the success of the project.
1: Tell, yeah. me, about, tell me about the pre-launch.
2: We had a rough draft that we posted online, and we sent it out to maybe 10 colleagues and friends to get criticisms and feedback on or what should we should do to improve it, or
0: we also have a f- couple friends of ours, uh, John and Kate of the photo bus um, in Kansas City, had just finished Kickstarter that they got funded ten thousand dollars to rebuild one of the engines in their photo bus, so we looked to them at the beginning for advice because we saw that they had a very successful campaign and It seemed like they would know a lot of pointers for us. So we talked to people who had successfully funded Kickstarters recently. We talked to friends of ours who were writers. So so on the bus
1: project, did you know those people already? uh, So we knew them.
0: Only through friends of friends. Only,
2: yeah. So we had worked a wedding with them actually in Cincinnati, and they had come from Kansas City. And these friends now live in Denver, so. (laughs) And,
1: And that's another thing about this whole social media and crowdfunding is that really geographies start to be broken down where suddenly even a local funded project starts to attract outside support because people just become interested in the passion that's behind it.
0: Yes, that's definitely what we saw happen. We also feel that because we made this a national project and we wanted people's input on where we should go, that it brought in a larger community of people that could be a part of it and not just a local community.
1: That community is really interesting because it sounds like that community, as you reached out to them through friends, but also just through strangers too, that it was very receptive. What do you attribute that to? I, you know, certainly I have my theories and some guests on the show have talked about that, but you guys have really kind of experienced this because this was, you're not making widgets here, right? You're not, and yes, there's a book, but this is more about the experience of the art. Yes, the book is a nice takeaway, but I think that more people are more focused on the art itself and the creation of that art in its living realm, if I can use that word, you know, not rather than on the printed page. What do you think is happening there with that community that's going on?
0: Well, I think that people are innately drawn to light. So I think that is one thing that the medium that we're using, it has a magnetism to it. I also feel like people want to be a part, they want to feel like they're a part of something and not necessarily, when you give someone a book, you know, that's very intimate, but they're just alone with that book. When you say you're going to give yourself and your time to a community and that that's what the art is, I think that really changes things a lot. I mean, there's an art term for it. It's called relational aesthetics. And it's where you make yourself the art, you make what you're doing the art, and you make the people that are there, they're not just the audience. They're also a part of the art, too. So, What's that called? Relational aesthetics.
1: Cool. I learned something new. That's cool. I'm writing that one down. All right. (laughs) So as we wrap up here, what kind of advice would you pass along to somebody who maybe is in a similar situation? Or um, as you guys think about, I know we've talked about this before the show, about doing another Kickstarter campaign. What kind of advice would you pass along? Is Kickstarter the way to go? I mean, is, is this really the opportunity for young artists who are experimenting with different ideas to find ways to raise the money?
2: Yeah, I think it definitely is. So I think that to go out there and be successful, maybe you want to have a clear vision of what you want to do and you want to get feedback and somehow build a community around what you're doing to be successful. So I think that part of how we've got these backers that we don't know is because they felt like they're a part of driving our success, which is, I mean, it's not just that they're getting an art book or a poster, It's that they're part of creating this art in the public space.
0: Yeah, and I think people like to feel good about contributing to other people's dreams, too, because then, in a way, they become part of that dream as well. So, yeah, I mean, I just would say as far as advice goes, you know, it's not really easy to do a Kickstarter, but it is well worth it because... People are going to crowdfunding to be a part of things, and they're also artists and uh, people of all walks of life are using Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all of these crowdsource kind of things to get their projects funded. It does take a lot of work, and you have to really consistently do it. You can't say, Okay, I've launched this, and now hopefully people will be a part of it. You really have to want it so badly that you're constantly working on when
2: it. You're, when you're running a month-long Kickstarter, that's a 40-hour-a-week job yeah.
0: for a month-long. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think that catches a lot of people off guard just how much work and effort that takes.
0: Yes, yeah. You can't go into it lightly. I mean, you really have to be all in if you're, if you're going to do it. I think that people don't fund their projects because they kind of give up halfway through or they get it started and they don't realize the amount of work that it's going to take.
1: Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show.
0: Thank, thank you so you. much for having us, Richard.
1: We've been talking to Zach and Katie on their Kickstarter project. It's called Traveling at the Speed of Light. You can find them at nomadcolab.com. dot bcom That's nomad with a K, collab just like it sounds, Colab. Or you can reach them at nomadcolab at gmail.com if you're interested in reaching out, contacting them, and following up on more of their artwork. I certainly appreciate them being on the show. Thanks for listening. Our intro and exit music is Orientation by Bureaucratic. You can listen to more of their music at soundcloud.com bureaucratic. Today's show is produced by Come Alive Creative. We want to thank their work, and you can find them at comealivecreative.com. Thanks for listening. Take care.